0: Soul, soul, an apple or two, if you haven't an apple, a pear will do, one for Peter, two for Paul, three for the man who made us all. If trick-or-treaters were knocking on your door in the Middle Ages, it might have sounded something like this. It had become customary to bake and provide soul cakes for beggars who happened upon your doorstep on the eve of All Saints Day, Halloween, a day that came as ours does during the harvest time when the landscape has become brown with death, but not covered just yet with the beauty of snow and winter. It is said that the tradition began in England with a zealous cook, who created the first soul cake, which was intended to remind its recipients of eternal life, hence its circular shape. To enhance the effect, she cut a hole in the middle of the cake before it was fried in hot fat, and lo and behold, the world's first donut. Not that you ever needed an excuse to eat a donut, but it is ironic that consuming this symbol of immortality increases your chances to experience the next life sooner than later. What is fascinating about this triduum of celebrations or trinity of feasts that include All Hallows' Eve, All Saints, and All Souls is that celebrating the lives of the saints and those who are to become saints is preceded with those who delight in the goodness of God's harvest by sharing one's gifts and resources with others. Our scripture passages today are quite poignant for the state of our society these days Psalm 34, where the psalmist exclaims, proclaim with me the greatness of the Lord. It echoes the cry of Mary in the Magnificat. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. I sought the Lord and he answered me, says the psalmist. And we hear Mary's cry echoed once again. He has looked with favor upon his lowly servant. Scripture has this echo effect where the Spirit speaks in one generation and in another, and it resonates throughout all of human history. And the chronology of the Scriptures yields to this mystery of Christ's eternal presence with us. Our passage from 1 John expresses the love and affection we hear in the words of the psalmist as well, where we begin to understand what it means to be God's children. We catch a glimpse of what this looks like when John the Elder reminds us that The world does not know us because it does not know Jesus. Anyone feeling left behind by the world these days? Those of us feeling rather settled now have to contend with our passage from Matthew's Gospel, the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who mourn they will be comforted. Throughout the New Testament writings, we are reminded that following Christ often leaves us feeling displaced, and when we feel at home, we are invited to discern why we are welcomed by or feel at home with those who do not follow in the way of Christ? Are we welcomed because they see something in us that they don't see elsewhere and they are drawn to the Christ in us? Or do they see as in a mirror and feel reassure that our lives do not brush up against theirs with the gospel in the same manner that Jesus brushed up against all those who were following their own will and ways. There is an obvious literal meaning to the Beatitudes um, and and this is a little bit for those who are participating in the journey through the scriptures um, study with me, but there's this first series of blessings um, is noting that they are in the present tense, but they have an eschatological direction. If you are poor in spirit now, you are blessed now, and you will possess the kingdom These persons are blessed presently because they will receive the bliss of God. This is the literal meaning of the text. But there is yet more to the Beatitudes that the early readers of these writings have discerned, which is that we who are inhabitants of the earth are in some sense in a state of mourning for we have fallen from our true purpose in God and we are awaiting restoration. We inevitably find ourselves lamenting what we may have done or who we may have become, but if we find in this state of mourning a renewed sense of who God has created us to become we can then experience the blessedness of knowing that we are, right now, children of the living God. What seems to be made manifest in these readings of Scripture for for this Feast of All Saints is a new awareness that who we are is inseparable from those by whom we are known. What does this mean? First, it means that I cannot know who I am without knowing who I am as I am known by those around me. For me, Amanda, Wiles, and Ada, then, are the primary persons by whom I know who I am. For example, I only know myself as a husband in relation to Amanda, and Amanda only knows herself as a wife in relation to me. I know who I am as a father in relation to Wiles and Ada, and they know themselves as children in relation to Amanda and me. This awareness reaches beyond the home I also know who I am in relation to everyone with whom and everything with which I interact on a daily basis and vice versa. The more time, therefore, that I am with someone and the closer our proximity, which is all the more difficult today, the more I know who I am in relation to them. Stay with me. This is a very important point. If time and proximity is what increases my awareness of who I am in relation to God and others, then I need to be attentive to the when, where, and how I am present with whom or what. If being known by God epitomizes what it means to be a follower of Jesus, And if I can only know myself as I am known by God by making time for God in prayer, the reading of scripture, communal worship, and sacrificial service with and for others, then as I make time for these things, as I make time for God and others, I gain a richer sense of who I am as one who is loved by God, who I am as one called child of God. The invitation of all saints is the invitation to know ourselves as the saints did, as we are known by God. The world compels us toward a self-knowledge and self-awareness that is decidedly self-serving, but God invites us to know who we are as we are created in the divine image. I I was reflecting on this reality last week and it hit me newly that to be created in the image of God after God's likeness, as we read in Genesis 1, is a continuous event. It's always happening. We are always being created. And what struck me newly is that being created in the image is more along the lines of what St. Paul writes in his letter to the Colossians, that we are knit together in Christ and it is Christ who is operative, it is Christ who is at work in us. Being created in the image of God is our active relationship in Christ with all people and all things. A work, as Paul writes in chapter three of Colossians, a work that Christ is working in us, and to the degree that we are attentive to and answerable for who we are becoming in Christ, who is the image of God. It is to this degree that we will know ourselves in the eschatological light of our divine inheritance, the true life of blessing knowing ourselves as we are known is not self-oriented knowledge it is what enzo bianchi describes as unself-consciousness this is why it's so difficult for us all the more difficult today when we are distanced from others we are accustomed to a knowledge that runs in a single direction And we kind of like being in control of who we think we are. Christ, however, invites us to a deeper understanding of engraced wisdom, which comes upon us as we recognize more and more that I am not the center of my being. I am not the center of knowledge or my my own understanding. As St. Teresa once said, God is the only me that there is. God is more nearer to myself than I am to my own being, as St. Augustine said. I am blessed, that is not because I have a home, not because I have wealth, a pension, I have plenty of money, plenty of family and friends, or what have you. These, if we attend to what Christ says in the Gospels at all, these are not marks of blessing. I am blessed, however, when I am poor, when I am meek, when I am merciful, when I make peace, when I mourn, even when I am persecuted. Why? Because these are the marks of one who is detached from the things of the world. They are the marks of one whose identity is known only as we are known by God in Christ. They are the marks of one attached only to Christ, ever attentive to the eschatological reality of our life, hidden with God. All of this is a matter of who we are becoming in Christ. Are we poor toward the things of this world so that we might be rich toward God? Do we mourn that we have fallen short of the gospel so that we might be transformed by grace? Are we peaceful toward others so that the world might know the peace of Christ? If so, we are blessed because we are oriented toward our true nature in Christ. We are God's children. May we become in thought, word, and deed, the saints that God is empowering us to become. And we know that we will. And we will to the degree that we are oriented and fully attend unselfconsciously to Christ in all things. Amen.